You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be back with you. Last week I was gone, I was, I was sick, and um, I gotta be real sick to miss Sunday morning, because uh, I love this place, but I was, I was down and out, but uh, you guys got to hear an amazing message uh, from Pastor Stephen Furtick. How many of y'all were here for that? Yeah, you had to be there, you had to be there, you had to be there. And um, you, you might think, now Pastor Stephen Furtick is one of the greatest preachers of our time, and you might think I might be a little insecure letting you listen to that message, but uh, not at all, because I picked it out. Yeah. And the people said, the message was awesome. I said, I know, I picked it out, I picked it out. I said. They gotta, they gotta hear that, but you just had to be there. And, and, and this past week, um, so I'm feeling good because um, this past week, my wife and I flew to Maryland uh, where Pastor Carl Cole, one of my mentors and a member of my management team, invited us to come for uh, a retreat he was doing uh, called Refresh. And he just wanted, it was me and some other pastors and they just poured into us and invested in us. And, and so I'm just, just uh, really glad uh, to have gone and had a time to refresh, rejuvenate, renew myself. And so I'm excited to, to give you a message today uh, that I think is gonna help advance our church uh, if you get it. Uh, like I said, we flew to Maryland, and uh, I, think, I think flying is uh, a modern-day marvel that many of us take for granted and even complain about. I mean, I know I take it for granted. I complain about it sometimes. But j- just take a moment to think about what happens when you're flying. Uh, there is a 333,000-ton metal aircraft. It's over a million pounds, and it gets filled with people and luggage and carts filled with pretzels, and this aircraft takes off hurtling down a runway at 180 miles an hour. And at some point, this aircraft filled with people and luggage and flight attendants and pretzels takes off in the air. Like it soars in the air. And then it reaches a cruising altitude of 36,000 feet. That's just under seven miles above ground. 120 football fields, 54,000 Twizzlers stacked end to end high. That clears it up, doesn't it? Like I knew if you didn't get the feet or the miles or the football fields, you'd be like, oh yeah, 54,000 Twizzlers, we all know what that is, right? But, but you are defying the laws of gravity soaring in the air like that. And then 99.99986% of the time, you will land safely at your destination so that you can fly again. If Orville and Wilbur Wright could see the flying industry today, they would be in awe. But I also think they would be a little appalled because there are some um, difficulties with flying. Uh, There are some nuisances when it comes to flying. Uh, One of the things that's terrible is TSA. Uh, Because when you're going through security, you start to get nervous because you gotta make sure that all your liquids are under 3.4 ounces. Even if you wanna take peanut butter on the plane, it has to be under 3.4 ounces. And then when you go through security, everybody gets to try their hand at being a stripper. I mean, shoes are coming off, belts are coming off. It's a little risque, right? But then you make it through security and then you get to the waiting terminal and now there's this fight over who's gonna get the charger, who's gonna get the wall outlet for their phone. And then when you go on the plane, it's like they take you on this parade of shame where they march you through first class and you get to see everybody reclining, sipping martinis. And it's almost like the airline is saying, you could be sitting here, but you're not. And then you get to your seat 
And then you have to find a place for your, for your carry-on luggage, and sometimes you gotta check that. And then there's this battle for the armrest, right? It's like, who's gonna be the alpha in the relationship? Who's gonna have access to the armrest? And then you reach for the in-flight magazine, and you find that somebody has beaten you to it because all the Sudoku puzzles are filled out. It's just like, great. And then the worst part of flying is, is when the snack cart comes by. They bring the snack cart by, and they give you pretzels. Pretzels. Listen, the reason I'm flying is for the honey glazed peanuts. Can I get some honey roasted peanuts, please? Bring back the peanuts. Bring back the peanuts. Bring back the peanuts, right? That's why we flew in the first place. Give me pretzels. I can get pretzels anywhere. Honey roasted peanuts, though, only on an airplane. But I love Love flying, yeah, again, there's, there's some, some difficulty when it comes to flying. Uh, a couple of years ago, I read a book called Like a Virgin by Sir Richard Branson. Uh, Richard Branson started Virgin Group, which is a, a group that's known for their customer service, and they've started over 400 companies, and uh, they, they started companies like Virgin Money, which is uh, a bank. They started uh, Virgin uh, Cola, which doesn't exist anymore, but that was a, a soft drink. They started, uh, they had Virgin Records, there's Virgin Mobile, uh, there was Virgin Brides, um, and it was a bridal shop, but he joked that they shut it down because there weren't any, but... Um, so they started all these companies, and, and really what Virgin is known for is their customer service. And one of the companies they started was Virgin Air. Uh, here in America, it's called Virgin America. And they prided themselves in their customer service. And I, I found it fascinating when a couple years ago, I read one of the most epic complaint letters ever written. And the complaint letter was written to Richard Branson of Virgin um, just about their poor customer service. And so I just thought that was amazing that here's this company that's known for customer service and they're getting a complaint letter about it. And here's, here's what was written to Sir Richard Branson. Uh, the author started off this way. He said, Dear Mr. Branson, I love the Virgin brand. I really do, which is why I continue to use it despite a series of unfortunate incidents over the last few years. The latest incident takes the biscuit. Ironically, by the end of the flight, I would have gladly paid over a thousand rupees for a single biscuit following the culinary journey of hell I was subjected to at the hands of your corporation. Look at this, Richard. Just look at it. I imagine the same questions are racing through your brilliant mind as we're racing through mine on that fateful day. What is this? Why have I been given it? What have I done to deserve this? And which one is the starter? Which one is the dessert? You don't get to a position like yours, Richard, with anything less than a generous sprinkling of observational power. So I know you will have spotted the tomato next to the two yellow shafts of sponge on the left. Yes, it's next to the sponge shaft without the green paste. That's got to be the clue, hasn't it? No sane person would serve a dessert with a tomato, would they? Well, answer me this, Richard. What sort of animal would serve a dessert with peas in it? I know it looks like a baji, but it's in custard, Richard, custard. It must be the pudding. Well, you'll be fascinated to hear that it wasn't custard. It was a sour gel with a clear oil on top. Its only redeeming feature was that it managed to be so alien to my palate that it took away the taste of the curry emanating from our miscellaneous central cuboid of beige matter. Perhaps the meal on the left might be the dessert after all. Anyway, this is all irrelevant at the moment. I was raised strictly but neatly by my parents, and if they knew I had started dessert before the main course, a sponge shaft would be the least of my worries. So let's peel back the tinfoil on the main dish and see what's on offer. And I'll try to explain how this felt. 
Imagine being a 12-year-old boy, Richard. Now imagine it's Christmas morning and you're sat there with your final present to open. It's a big one and you know what it is. It's that Goodman's stereo you picked out of the catalog and wrote to Santa about. Only you open the present and it's not in there. It's your hamster, Richard. It's your hamster in the box and it's not breathing. That's how I felt when I peeled back the foil and saw this. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's more of that bodgy custard. I admit, I thought the same too, but no. It's mustard, Richard, mustard. More mustard than any man could consume in a month. On the left, we have a piece of broccoli and some peppers and a brown glue-like oil. And on the right, the chef had prepared some mashed potato. The potato masher had obviously broken, and so it was decided the next best thing would be to pass the potatoes through the digestive tract of a bird. Once it was regurgitated, it was clearly then blended and mixed with a bit of mustard. Everybody likes a bit of mustard, Richard. By now, I was actually starting to feel a little hypoglycemic. I needed a sugar hit. Luckily, there was a small cookie provided. It had caught my eye earlier due to its baffling presentation. It appears to be in an evidence bag from the scene of a crime. A crime against cooking. Either that or some sort of backstreet underground cookie purchased off a gun-toting maniac high on his own supply of yeast. You certainly wouldn't want to be caught carrying one of these through customs. Imagine biting into a piece of brass, Richard, that would be softer on the teeth than the specimen above. And I was exhausted. All I wanted to do was relax, but obviously I had to sit with this mess in front of me for half an hour. I swear the sponge shafts moved at one point. I was the hungriest I'd been in my adult life. My only option was to simply stare at the seat in front of me and wait for either food or sleep. Neither came for an incredibly long time, but when it did, it surpassed my wildest expectations. Yes, it's another crime scene cookie, only this time you dunk it in the white stuff. Richard, what is that white stuff? It looked like it was going to be yogurt. It finally dawned on me what it was after staring at it. It was a mixture between the bhaji custard and the mustard sauce. It reminded me of my first week at university. I'd overheard that you could make a drink by mixing vodka and refreshers. I lied to my new friends and I told them I've done it loads of times. When I attempted to make the drink in a big bowl, it formed a cheese, Richard, a cheese. That cheese looked a lot like your bhaji mustard. So that was it, Richard. I didn't need a thing. My only question is, how can you live like this? I can't imagine what dinner around your house is like. It must be like something out of a nature documentary. As I said at the start, I love your brand, I really do. It's just a shame that such a simple thing could bring it crashing to its knees and begging for sustenance. Yours sincerely. And Richard Branson said that he read that letter and he laughed the whole time. Uh, he even called the guy up and offered him a job presenting their food on their airlines. <laughs> and after I read that letter, I just thought, oh, what a relief. Like, here's this company <clears throat> that's known for their customer service, and sometimes they get it wrong, too. But even then, they go above, above, and beyond in everything they do. Richard Branson, even reaching out to that guy, is a signal of him going above, above, and beyond. 
Today we're continuing the series that we started a while ago called Attitude Platitudes, a cleverly crafted compilation on culture. And uh, we're in the midst of this series. We're like in the home stretch of this series. This has been my favorite series so far this year. It's the only series we've done so far this year, but it's still my favorite. And each week what we're doing is we're looking at a different value because my goal is to help us experience the true life Jesus came to bring us. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I believe the way that we receive that result is by instilling some new values in our life. Because when we instill new values, what it does is it changes the culture of who we are. Culture is simply who we are and how we operate. It changes the culture so that, uh, and our culture determines what we do. What we do gives us the results that we we receive. So if we wanna receive the result of experiencing true life in Jesus, then we need to change some of the things that we do. The way we change some of the things that we do is we transform our culture. We transform our culture by instilling new values in our life. This is just who we are and how we operate. And so each week I've been giving you a value. By the way, these are values that we have as a church. This is what makes us who we are. And so if you're wondering what kind of church is this, just look at our values and it tells you who we are. And so today the value that I wanna give you is this. We go above, above and beyond. We go above, above and beyond. And this value is really all about excellence. And this is also really what Jesus came to do in your life. This is what he said in John 10, 10. He said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Jesus is telling us, I didn't come so you could have life to just, stri- uh, to, to just kind of get by. Uh, I didn't come so that you could have life just to make it so that you can be another day, another dollar. No, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. I want you to thrive in your life. I want you to excel in life. I want you to live a life where you go above, above and beyond. And so this is a life that's all about excellence. I wanna take a moment real quick just to define what excellence is uh, so we're all on the same page. Um, Excellence is not perfection because there's no way we can achieve that. Uh, Excellence is not perfection. Excellence also is not OCD. Well, I'm just not OCD. You don't have to be because that's not what excellence is. Excellence isn't even expensive. I don't have enough money to be excellent. No, it's not about that. Here's what excellence is. Excellence is the extra. Excellence is the extra. Excellence is the extra time that you put into something, uh, the extra energy you put into something, the extra effort you put into something. Excellence is thinking about the thing nobody else thinks about. Excellence is about doing the thing nobody is willing to do. Excellence is about going above, above and beyond. And so excellence is the plumber who puts shoe covers on before he enters your house because he cares about the state of your house. That's excellence. He thinks about the things nobody else thinks about. Excellence is the realtor who buys you your favorite meal and has it delivered to you the night that you move into your house that they helped you buy because they know that you're still packed up and you're not thinking about what to eat and so they just wanna go above, above and beyond and help you with that. Uh, Excellence is the delivery person from Deliver Up who brings their own mints to give you for your meal. It's not the restaurant provided them but it's that person who provided them. It's a Deliver Up person who brings dog treats for your dog. Excellence is the church that sends a handwritten postcard to the person who comes for the first time saying, we're so honored that you came. We remember a conversation that we had with you. We mentioned that, and then we invite you to come back the next week. That's excellence. Excellence is when you plan a date night and plan the childcare too. Excellence is about going above, above and beyond, thinking about the things nobody else thinks about, doing the things nobody else is willing to do. Excellence is the extra. 
And we live in a world where we desire excellence for us. We want an excellent computer. We want an excellent phone. We want our food delivered to us on time. We want our Starbucks drink made right. We demand excellence. But so often, we don't live out excellence. And here's why this is important, because when you live out excellence, it will, it will elevate the level at which you live in your life. When you live out excellence, it will reap a reward for you. Because the plumber who puts the shoe covers on before coming into my house makes me wanna call them the next time I need uh, help with plumbing. The realtor who provides the meal that night makes me wanna recommend them to other people, which gives them more clients, which gives them more business. Why? Because they were excellent in what they did. Uh, the deliver up person who provides the mints and the dog treat for me makes me wanna tip them even more. They reap a reward from that. Uh, the person who gets a handwritten card from the church they visited for the first time uh, makes them say, wow, they must really care about me. I think I'll go back. When you plan out the date and plan out the childcare, it gets you a greater reward that night. You know what I'm saying? Just saying. When we live out excellence, it elevates us to a higher level at which to live. And so we should pursue excellence in our own life, but, but not just in going above, above, and beyond in things like that, but we need to go above, above, and beyond in the way that we live. And so for instance, if you're a female, please don't lower your standards for what you're looking for in a guy. He needs to be excellent if he's gonna be with you because you're worth it. Come on. You're gonna have three to four million dollars pass through your hands in your working life. Be excellent in the way that you manage it. Don't lower the standards and be like, well, I try to spend less than what I make. No, budget it, put it down on paper, tell your money what to do. Be excellent with the way that you manage money and you'll be entrusted with more. When we live out excellence, it raises our life to a higher level. And so we go above, above, and beyond. We want to be the kind of people who live out excellence. And you know what excellence looks like. I mean, when you hired that person to tile your bathroom, you knew if they took the time, effort, and energy to make it great because it was an excellent product. You also knew if they did a shoddy job because you could see it in the product. Once you take a look at your life, the product of your life, is it an excellent product or not? Could it be the key to getting a better product for what you're living and what you're experiencing now is to rise up to the level of excellence God is calling you to? We know the difference between excellent and non-excellent, excellent and subpar. And so this is what excellence looks like um, in our lives as, as individuals. But I wanna take a moment real quick just to show you what excellence looks like here uh, in our church, uh, how we do this organizationally, uh, and also how you can do it as an individual. And my hope um, for the rest of our time is that I would excite you about this church, that, that you would be proud to be a part of this church, that, that you would just be all in when it comes to this church because you understand that we go above, above, and beyond in everything. For, first, um, when you have somebody over to your house, and they're coming for the first time, you wanna make sure they have an excellent experience, right? I mean, you clean your house, you make sure that it smells good, you Febreze the couch, you put a candle in the bathroom and you light it, you make your best meal, you eat on real plates with real silverware. Like, you wanna give them an excellent experience, right? You offer them uh, whatever their favorite drink is, whatever it is, right? 
But when it's just you, I mean, you know, the experience is a little less excellent when you're not expecting somebody, right? Uh, maybe the house is a little messy. There might be a slight stink in the kitchen because you got to take the trash out, but you're holding off on it. You don't really want to. There's definitely not a candle lit in the bathroom. You might eat leftovers. You might even eat on paper plates. And that's okay. That's fine because you're not expecting anybody. But at this church, every single Sunday, we're expecting somebody, Everything we do is with this attitude of we're expecting somebody. Because here's what we know, that every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday, and we only get one shot to make a great first impression. See, somebody will make a decision as to whether or not they come back to a church in the first three minutes they come in. They won't even wait for me to start speaking to see if I'm any good. They'll just come in, and in the first three minutes, they make a decision as to whether or not they'll come back. And we wanna make sure that when people come to this church, they have an excellent experience. The reason is because we're reflecting an excellent God to them. Yeah. And so we try to make everything excellent in everything that we do. We try to go above, above and beyond in everything. And here's the thing. Not only is somebody coming to our church for the first time, but for some people, they're stepping foot in church for the first time. For some people, this is the first time that they hear about a God who loves them and cares for them and has been pursuing them their whole life. And so we wanna make sure they have an excellent experience that doesn't detract from that. Everything we do is with this in mind that every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. We also know this, that you've been praying for your friend who's here today. You've been praying for him for a while and they finally said yes, right? We know you've been asking your coworker to come join you week after week after week, and they came up with that same lame excuse, and you just said, you gotta come home. And they finally showed up. Sorry I called you lame, but they finally showed up, and you're like, please let it go right. Please let it smell good. Please let the music be good. Please let the slides be right. Please let the kids, people be friendly to them. You want them to have an excellent experience. And we get that because we know every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. And we want to make sure that we give them an excellent experience. So as a church, we go above, above and beyond. Everything we do is intentional. I love it when people notice this. I, I, I feel kind of like, yeah, that's right. I'm glad you noticed. Um, it's, like, it's like when your wife like, does a little something extra and you notice and she's like inside, she's like, oh yeah, I did put a little extra eyeshadow on. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, so so I, I feel like that when people notice and they're like, man, you know, I love how intentional this church is. Because everything we do, there's a reason behind it. There's a purpose behind it. Nothing we do is haphazard. Everything is thought out. And the reason is because we take ownership in what we do. You know, when you take ownership in something, you begin to take pride in it. And when you take ownership and pride in something, you wanna make sure that it's excellent, that it's great, that it's amazing. Like, when you get a rental car, you never wax it or detail it. Why? It's not yours. You don't care. But with your own car, when you first buy that car and you're excited about it, you make sure it smells good in there. You make sure it's vacuumed, that it looks nice. And after about six months of having it, you don't care anymore. It becomes like this big purse on wheels, right? Like you got all kinds of stuff. There's a dead dog in the back seat. You're like, just move it, move it aside. Don't worry about it, right? But, but when you take ownership, you take pride in something and you wanna make sure you present it excellently. When you go to a hotel room, you're not redecorating it. You put a new rug in because it's not yours. You don't care. 
But at your own home, you care because you take great pride in it because you own it. And so I wanna give you uh, some ways that we strive for excellence here as a church organizationally, and I want you to see some of the thought behind it, and then I wanna help you take ownership, okay? So my hope is that this will give you pride in this church. Uh, we know that when you first come, we want you to have a great experience. And so we train uh, our host team to make sure that you have a great experience. I love it when people say, I love how relational uh, that church is. I love how warm and welcoming it is. So we train our host team to make sure that they greet you in a warm and welcome way, and not just in a friendly way. Hi, welcome to our church. No, 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 no. We want them to remember your name. We, we want you to have a fun experience out on the sidewalk so that when you're walking into this place, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm headed into something special because you are. And so we want you to feel that way. And then when you come in, you receive a program that's professionally designed and professionally printed. You receive a pen that's professionally designed and printed. We don't just give you a Bic pen, but we give you a pen with our logo on it, and we test it to make sure it writes before we give it to you, because we don't wanna give you a pen that doesn't write. We think about the extra. When you come in, the scent that you should smell is eucalyptus mint. That's our signature scent. Every single week, we blast eucalyptus mint in the air so you smell it. Sometimes it smells like another plant too, but you know, we try to, but we wanna make sure it smells the same every week. That's our signature scent. So if you ever smell eucalyptus mint, you're like, that's my church. We have a signature taste. It's wintergreen lifesavers. They're in the bathroom. We give them every week. And some of you are like, cool, I'm stocking up for the whole week. And you just take a handful and you know, it is what it is. But you pay for it if you give, so it's okay. Um, if you don't give, somebody else paid for it. But, but we have a signature taste. Uh, we, we also have a signature color, it's orange, if you hadn't noticed, right? And people, people ask me, what, and, and I love it because now you get to take pride. So when you start to take pride in our church, you start to get orange accessories and you're like all oranged out and people start noticing and they're like, how come you're always wearing orange? And you can be like, because that's the color of my church, right? We want you to take pride in it. We want you to be like, oh my gosh, I have to go to Bath and Body Works and get eucalyptus mint hand soap so I can think about my church all the time, right? So, so we have a, a signature scent, a signature taste, a signature... Look, we try to think about everything to make it simple and obvious from the layout of this room to when you come in, uh, how we've let you know where the bathrooms are, how we let you know where our kids' ministry is. We want our kids' ministry check-in process to be simple and, and speedy. And so when you go in and you check in, it should be quick. If you're here for the first time, we give you a tour of our kids' ministry area. And we wanna make sure that you know three things about it, that it's fun, uh, safe, and clean. It's fun and that our goal in kids' ministry is we want kids to cry when they leave because we don't want them to wanna leave. We want them to cry and be like, I wanna stay, because that way we know they're gonna beg you to come back next week because it was so fun. The first question I ask my daughter every single week when we leave is, did you have fun? We wanna make sure kids have fun because you got dragged to your church when you were a kid and you hated it. We want kids to love this place. We want them to beg you to come back. We wanna make sure that it's safe. And what that means is that everyone who serves is background checked. And I'm not talking about everyone who serves in our kids' ministry as background check. I'm talking about everybody who serves in our church in any area is background checked. We go above, above and beyond to create a safe environment. We make sure that it's clean. What that means is that we swiffer the mats before uh, we, we take them up or, or after we put them down. We sanitize every toy that kids play with. We wanna make sure that it's clean and we wanna let you know that because we go above, above and beyond because we care. And that's what excellence is about, it's about caring. It's about caring. 
when you come in, um, the music that's playing is intentional. So we, we have this music that's playing because we want you to feel like, oh man, I just walked into a party. Now some of you come late and so you never hear it, but if you come here on time and you hear it, we want you to think, man, I just walked into a party. This is a fun place to be. Uh, our band, when they play, the set that they played today was a set that they had four weeks ago. So they had four weeks to practice it. Earlier this week, they practiced on Tuesday. And when they practice, they practice how they play. What that means is that they play with the same energy and enthusiasm to an empty room as they do when there are people in here. Because we want to make sure that what we um, give on Sunday morning is excellent. The sermon that you hear on Sunday mornings isn't something I just make up, but it's something that I write a couple weeks in advance in manuscript form. I record it via, uh, I do an audio recording and I listen to it several times. So before I get up here to preach this to you, I've gone over it four or five times already because I wanna make sure that it's excellent for you. Yeah. If you're here for the first time, we have a process in place to make sure that we're intentionally caring for you. When you drop your card off at the back, you're gonna get a free gift just for being here. Like, I don't believe in giving trophies to everybody just because they played, but this is the one exception. If you show up, you will get a free gift for coming. Because we know that for some of you coming for the first time, it's difficult coming to church. So we wanna reward you for that. If you come back for the second time, you'll get an even better gift. We're not above bribing you to come to church. After the second time, hopefully you're just coming because you wanna come. But when you go, you drop it off, and then what's gonna happen is you're gonna get a handwritten postcard sent to you by about Wednesday of this week from the person that you talked to. You're gonna get a phone call from that person tomorrow, so be on the lookout. They're gonna call you, let you know how honored they were that you showed up. They're gonna ask if there's anything they could do to pray for you, and they're gonna invite you to come back next week because we want you to come next week. You're gonna get an email from me on Tuesday saying thank you so much for coming, and I'm gonna ask if there's any way my wife and I can pray for you. It's because we care. Well, that all sounds robotic. No, it's because we care, and if we don't have a system in place to make sure that we're caring for you, it won't happen. But we do it because we go above, above, and beyond. We wanna make sure we provide an excellent experience for everyone who comes here. The reason is because we just believe that our God is worth it. We believe that we serve an excellent God, and so we want to demonstrate excellence in everything we do. And so I wanna show you uh, four quick ways that you can demonstrate excellence in the church. And, and ultimately this, this plays out in your life and how you live. And I believe if you do these four things, you'll become more of an owner of this church, which will increase the pride that you have of this church, and you'll be even more excited about it. And you'll ensure that what we create is an excellent experience. And so the first, the first point is this, um, and they all start this way. We go above, above, and beyond in bringing. We go above, above, and beyond in bringing. Uh, there was a time in Jesus' ministry where um, uh, it, it's in Luke chapter two, or, I'm sorry, Mark chapter two and Luke chapter five, where uh, Jesus is in town and he's preaching to this crowd of people and he's in a house and people have shown up and they've packed the house and, and these guys hear that Jesus is there and they say, we gotta get our friend to Jesus. Now their friend was a paralytic, he was, he was um, confined to a mat, he couldn't walk. And so they pick him up and they take him to Jesus, and when they get to the house they realize, oh it's packed, we can't even get him to Jesus. And they could have given up, 
But instead, they literally go above, above and beyond. They hoist the guy up onto the roof of the house. They dig a hole in the roof and lower him down to Jesus. Jesus sees the man, he forgives the man, and he heals the man, so he gets up and walks home. These friends had this mindset where they said, we have got to get our friend to Jesus. If we could just get him to Jesus, then something amazing is going to happen. They didn't quit at the first obstacle. They didn't give up when it became difficult, but they said, we're gonna go above, above and beyond in bringing our friend to Jesus. Because if we could just get him in front of Jesus, Jesus is gonna do something amazing. What it means to go above, above and beyond in being a bringer is that you don't quit when you first invite your coworker and they say, sorry, I'm arranging my sock drawer that day. You say, well, what's it gonna take for me to get you there? I'll take you to lunch afterwards. I'll give you a ride if you need it. I'll take you to breakfast beforehand. Whatever I gotta do to get you there, I need to do that because I know if I could just get you there, God is gonna do something amazing in your life. Now this isn't the only place Jesus is. He's with you in the way that you live because you take him everywhere you go. So the, the, the first key to bringing somebody is for you to live as an example for them. See, people should see the way that you live and they say, I want what you got. And you say, well, let me tell you about what's going on at my church. Let me tell you about how my life is changing. Let me tell you about what God is doing in my life. See, I'm like this because I'm a part of a place like this, and so I think you should come and see. And it's as simple as that. But what about Jonah and the whale? You really believe a whale swallowed something? Just come and see. Just come and see. But what about them dinosaurs? You really think, just come and see. Just, I, I, I can't answer all your crazy questions, and, and, and some of them are legit, but just come and see. Just come and see. This week, I wonder who needs to be sitting next to you on Sunday? Who needs to be sitting to, uh, next to you this Sunday? Because this week you said to him, come and see. We sit together all week at work. I hear you gossiping about all them people. I hear you talking about all the problems in your marriage. Let me just tell you what's happened for me. Let me tell you where I found answers. Let me tell you how I found hope. It's here. Come and see. Who needs to be sitting next to you next week because you said, sit with me on Sunday. I'll save you a seat. My wife invited somebody to come uh, several Sundays ago. And uh, this was somebody who they, they weren't coming at first. And she said, hey, I'm, I'm going to save a seat for you. And they thought to themselves, well, I guess I gotta go now. I mean, she's saving a seat for me. She showed up. She loved it. Her daughter loved it. And now she's serving on one of our teams. Never would have happened if my wife didn't say, I'm saving a seat for you. Come sit with me. Who do you need to be sitting next to? Because here's, here's what's even more amazing than that. What if on a day that we set up the hot tub right over here where we baptize people who are giving their lives to Christ. What if you got to stand in that hot tub and baptize your friend? It'll never happen until you say, come and see. Come sit with me. Who's the one person right now in your life you need to invite to be here next week? You know, to help you with that, we provide tools. We got cards that say come and see on them. We got cards that say sit with me. We got a card with a picture of the Norva so you can just give it to people and say, hey, let me tell you about this church that God is, is using in my life to change me. So we go above, above, and beyond in being a bringer. Uh, the, the next way that we go above, above, and beyond is in community. 
We go above, above, and beyond in community. Uh, the, the book of Acts records the very early days of the church when it first began. And here's what's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, about how the early Christians lived. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here's what we see from the early Christians. They devoted themselves, it says, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The equivalent of that today is Sunday morning. It's that we would go above, above, and beyond by committing to make Sunday morning a priority in our life. That you just say, this is gonna be a staple in my life. This is just how we're going to live. And so you may need to teach your kid, yes, you can be in soccer, but you can't be at every game because this family goes to church. It may, oh, I ain't getting no amens on that, come on. It, it means, it means that, that you say, you know what, I, I'm gonna make Sunday morning a priority and so it doesn't matter what the weather is outside. It's nice so I think I'll go fishing or it's raining or there's a cloud in the sky and I'm allergic to water and so I can't go out. It means you don't, it don't matter what the weather is outside. It means that you say, it doesn't matter how I feel when I wake up because when I get there, I'm gonna feel different. It may mean that you say, sorry, I can't party till two in the morning on Saturday because I'm going to church on Sunday morning. You make it a priority. You make this gathering a priority. That's what the early Christians did. And then we see that they, they gathered together in each other's homes. And you know, it's one thing to sit here in rows but I think real relationship and real life change takes place in circles in someone's living room because that's where you get to know people. That's where you get to build relationships. Studies tell us that people will come and stay at a church at first because of the preaching, but people will stay for the long term because they know at least five people. I'm good, but I'm not that good. I can't keep you here if you don't know at least five people because then you start to come to see the people that you know. You've built friendships here. One of the best ways for you to build friendships is to be in a group. Every season, we launch groups, and they go for three, three months, um, and it's a great time for you to get to know people, and the purpose of our groups is for you to make friends, for you to meet people, and then we stop all the groups, and then we start them all over again, all new groups, and the purpose is so that you can get to meet more people. I wanna invite you, if you're not currently in a group, sign up for a group at the Orange Table. Some of them are closed. They've reached capacity. Uh, but one of the best ways for you to get to know people is to be in a group. And, and when you're in a group, you, you just say, it's not gonna be an option for me. This is just what I do. This is who I am, because we were created for community. To go above, above, and beyond in community also means this, that when you come on a Sunday morning, you get to know some people you don't know. I'm gonna give you a way to do that. You could do this today. And you can blame me for it when you do it. Pastor told me to do it, so that's why I'm doing it. Go up to somebody you don't know and say, hey, I don't think I've met you before, what's your name? It's as simple as that. Hey, I don't think I've met you before, what's your name? That, that, that's all, and you can say the exact same thing. Everybody knows why you're doing it, because I told you to. But what if we just say, hey, I don't think I've met you before, what's your name? Oh, cool, you go to this church too? Me too. Hey, how about you come sit with me? Do you mind if I sit with you? And here's what's even better. Here, let me introduce you to these people. 
What would happen if we just said, you know what, we're gonna be intentional about meeting people we don't know and building community here because it is unacceptable for somebody to come and sit nameless and faceless and live anonymously in our midst. And so there are people all around you who care about you, but what we need to do is we need to be intentional about reaching out to those people, meeting them, and building friendships. If you're feeling lonely right now, there's no reason for you to feel lonely because you're surrounded by people who care about you even though you don't know them. It's just being intentional. I'll give you another quick way to be intentional in building community. When people come for the first time, if you're here for the first time, I really hope you come back because um, like, I'm, I'm giving you all our behind the scenes stuff. Um, but when you come for the first time, we give people a big black card and we make it that way so it's oversized intentionally. So you can see that and know, oh, it's their first time. Let me go talk to them. So when you see a black card, go up to people and say, hey, listen, I'm so honored that you're here. What's your name? Talk to them, right? Uh, if you see somebody with an orange bag, it's their first time. Now, if you're here for the first time, you're gonna be like, don't give me an orange bag, I don't want anybody. But go and talk to them. Hey, we're honored that you're, you're here because we wanna go above, above, and beyond in community, but it'll never happen until we're intentional about it. Uh, as we do that, we just develop ownership and pride in this church. Here's the third one. We go above, above, and beyond in giving. We go above, above, and beyond in giving. But, but before I get into that, I, I want to show you um, from the last verse in that passage in Acts what happens when they built great community. Acts 2.47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The reason why the church grew then is because people saw how the community was there and people said, I want that in my life. When we build great community, people will be drawn to that. So we go above, above, and beyond in giving. Uh, now, there's this time in the book of Exodus where Moses is commanded by God to build this tabernacle. It was a tent-like structure where the people could come to worship God. And God said, I want you to receive an offering from the people for this structure. And so Moses gets in front of everybody and he says, okay, we're gonna receive an offering for the tabernacle. And what happens is the people bring so much that Moses stands in front of them and says, please stop giving. We have too much. That will never happen in this church because I have more vision than we have money. But what would happen if I had to stand in front of you and said, please, 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 stop giving. We don't know what to do with it. Here's, here's what Moses says to the people. It says, Moses gave an order and they sent this word through the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. What would happen if, if you came up to me and said, hey, I know you said we need to stop giving, but please can I give some more? What if we just adopted that attitude where we said we're gonna live with open hands and of course we're going to give if for nothing else than because I wanna take care of the ministry that's taking care of me. See, when you give, not only are you being obedient to God, because he calls us to return the first 10% back to him. By the way, every time God talks about the tithe, he uses this word return or bring. See, you return or bring something that belongs to somebody else. If I let you borrow my car and you're like, you know, I'm thinking of giving this back to you, I'd be like, no, you're not. You're thinking about returning it to me because it's mine. If you decided to keep it, you'd be stealing it. Yeah. 
God said, bring the tithe back to me, the first 10%, because that's mine. And then we break into generosity with an offering that's anything above the first 10%. And so what would happen if we just said, of course, of course we're gonna do that in this church because this is my church. I care about this church and of course I'm going to give to it. I wanna show you uh, a time of great generosity in, in Solomon's life. It's 1 Kings 3, 4. Solomon was inaugurated as the king of Israel and uh, here's what's recorded. It says, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a 1,000 burnt offerings on that altar. Now, the standard offering was one bull. Solomon gave a 1,000 bulls. He went above, above, and beyond in his generosity. And because he excelled in generosity, here's what God said to him in the very next verse. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. When we excel in generosity, I believe God will say to us, ask me for whatever you want. Here's why, because God knows I can trust you with what I've entrusted to you. When you obey me in generosity, I know that I can trust you with what I've entrusted to you, and because of that, I wanna give you even more, because I know I can trust you. So we're the kind of church that says, we're gonna go above, above, and beyond when it comes to giving, because this is my church. Of course I love it, of course I take pride in it, and I wanna take care of the ministry that's taking care of me. The final way I wanna give you is this, we go above, above, and beyond in serving. We go above, above, and beyond in serving. There's a moment in Jesus' ministry where he's at a wedding and uh, they run out of wine at the wedding. So Jesus' mom comes up to him and says, hey, they ran out of wine. And Jesus is like, what's that gotta do with me? And then she says, well, she turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And so Jesus said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Grab these six stone jars that hold 20 to 30 gallons of water, these huge, massive stone jars, and I want you to fill them with water. Doesn't make sense, we need wine, not water, but the servants do it. And it's hard work for them to do it. What they do is they take the jars over to wherever the well is, they lower the bucket down into the well, they bring the water up, they, f they put it in the jar. They lower the bucket, bring it up, they put it in the jar. They lower it, they bring it up, they put it in the jar, over and over again. And then they fill the jars, they take it back to the, wherever the wedding is. Jesus said, now draw some out. The servants take some of the water out and in the hands of the servants, as they take it to the master of the ceremonies, in the hands of the servants is when the miracle takes place. It's in the hands of the servants that the water turns into wine. The servants never would have experienced the miracle if they didn't do what Jesus told them to do, if they didn't serve in the first place. But I love the attitude of the servants. In John 2, 7, it said, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and watch this. So they filled them to the brim. It doesn't say, so they filled it halfway and said, that's good enough. So they filled it three quarters of the way and said, that'll work. So they filled it most of the way and they said, ah, that'll do. But they filled it where? To the brim. They were excellent in their service. They went above, above, and beyond. They did it with an attitude of excellence. See, when we serve with an attitude of excellence, 
we see miracles take place in our midst. Because what you experience in this church is not built on the talent of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. There's an army of volunteers who come to set this place up, who put time, effort, and energy into making this place what it is so that you could come and hear the word of God and be changed forever. And so that some of you can make the decision to say yes to God and be baptized into him and have your eternity changed forever. It's because we serve with excellence. And I wanna let you know this morning, if you engage in these four Gs, growth, groups, gifts, and giving, these four points I just gave you, it'll develop a greater sense of ownership that you have for this church, which will increase the pride you have for this church, which will ensure that you say, I wanna make sure this is excellent because we know that every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. Every Sunday, somebody is going to hear the word of God and have the decision to make to be changed. So I wanna encourage you to engage in, in these four Gs. If you're not yet serving, giving, hadn't gotten in a group, I wanna invite you to stop by the orange tables and sign up to do that. Stop by the black tables, get some, some invite cards and give those out this week and say, you gotta come sit with me whatever it is, because we wanna make sure that we go above, above, and beyond in this church and also in the way that we live. Finally, here's, here's why we do it. It's because we serve a God who went above, above, and beyond. We serve a God who saw us in our sin and rather than saying, out oh, of hell with them, he said, I'm gonna provide a sacrifice for them. I'm gonna send my one and only son an excellent sacrifice who's gonna come to take their sin away so that they could have life with me forever. God went above, above and beyond to redeem us, to restore us, and to make us right with him. And because of that, we go above, above and beyond. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.